<laughs> hey, good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? Everybody good? Man, it's a great crowd today. Get to witness baptism. It's awesome. I'm always afraid I'm going to fall back, and that would be a great thing to have on video. So it may happen today. Um, pastor always needs to get baptized again sometimes, you know. Uh, but hey, my name's Clayton. I'm the pastor uh, here, like, uh, like Noah said. I'm glad that every single one of you are here with us today. We're going to be continuing in our series called Ordinary um, Heroes uh, for today. And I want you to have an opportunity to take notes and remember um, what God is speaking to you. And so up on the screens is QR code right now. And we'll give you a moment to, you know, scan that if you'd like to. And you can follow along um, with today's um, message. But before we get going, have you ever heard the story of the, the priest, the preacher, and the rabbi? You all heard that story? Well, let me tell you. One, one day, a, a priest, a preacher, and a rabbi, they, they walk into a, a coffee bar, okay? And, uh, and uh, they, they, uh, one of them said, you know what? Preaching is really easy. I mean, it's just one of the easiest things to do. And a real challenge would be to, to preach to a bear, you know? And so they, they said, let's, let's make up an experiment where we're going to go out into the woods, each one of us, and we're going to find ourselves a bear. We're going to preach to it. We're going to try to convert it. And then seven days later, we'll come back and we'll, we'll talk about our experience. So seven days later, they all come back together and the, the priest shows up and the, the priest has got a neck brace on and he's, got, uh, he's on, on crutches and he said, you know what, I went out and I found myself a bear. And I began to read to him from the, the catechism. And that bear, he didn't like that at all. And began to, to slap me around and throw me around a little bit. And I pulled out some holy water and I sprinkled it on that bear. And man, you know what happened? That bear turned as gentle as a lamb. And I gave him his first communion. And actually next week we're going to begin confirmation classes uh, with, with the bear. And then the, the preacher Rolls in on a on a wheelchair and he's got both of his legs in a cast and he's got his head wrapped and and he says you know what in his best fire and brimstone uh, way of saying he said I went and I I found me a bear and you know what I I went and I I grabbed hold of that bear and and I began to to preach to it and I want everybody to know we don't sprinkle around here and I took my Bible and I beat that bear up upside the head and I preached the holy word. To this bear. Well, that bear didn't like that at all. And we began to wrestle up and down the hill. We found ourselves in a creek. And I said, man, there's some water right there. And so I grabbed that bear and I dunked him and baptized his hairy soul. And you know what happened? That bear turned as gentle as a lamb. And we praise God the rest of the week. And they looked down at the, the rabbi who was actually in a hospital bed and the rabbi was in a, a full body cast and he had IVs all over him and monitors coming in and out. And the rabbi looked back up at, at them and said, you know, looking back on it, circumcision may not have been the best way to start. <laughs> that is, I just wasted three minutes of the sermon. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a terrible joke. Y'all remember that one? That's a freebie. <laughs> well, Today we're not going to talk about a, a priest, a preacher, or a rabbi. We're, we're going to talk about three other different kind of people. And uh, in fact, three people who, whose stories, they, they crossed past in, in Scripture. And the world was never the same after their stories. Today we're actually going to look at uh, a rich woman. We're going to look at a, a slave girl. We're going to look at a prison guard. And these three people... Um, 
they have some incredible stories all by themselves, but when you, when you put them together, which is actually how it is written in Scripture, we get to see something incredible today. We get to see the power of God and his personal touch in people's lives. And so let me give you a background to kind of begin the, the message for today. So, so Paul was, was on his second missionary journey. He's with his crew, and they're, they're traveling around. And most of the time, they stayed in, in, in Asia Minor. In fact, the first missionary journey, they never left that area. But God called them to go across the sea into um, what, where modern-day Europe is today. And they are going to travel across the sea to a, a city called Philippi. And Philippi is really important because it is on this ancient Roman road called um, the, the Via Ignatia. And here's actually a picture of the Via Ignatia today. You can go and walk on it today. But it is a 700-mile-long road that the Romans built to, to connect Rome in the western part to, um, to Istanbul, modern-day Istanbul in, in the east. And it connected all of the Roman Empire. And it was a way that the Romans were able to spread not only their goods, but their culture. And God used that road, and we'll see it later, he used that road to actually sp- spread Christianity all around the world. And so we're going to start in actually Acts chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 16. And I'm going to read it um, from my notes here today, but it's going to be up on the screen um, for you as well. But if you start in verse 11, here's kind of where the story begins. It says that we, so Luke, Luke is a writing here, is one of our guys from several weeks ago talking about being an ordinary hero. He says, we boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across the island uh, to the island of Samothrace. And the next day, we landed at Neapolis. And from there, we reached Philippi, about 10 miles inland, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a, and a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days. So the scene is set for the, this incredible story that's about to happen in the lives of these three different people who who all have um, different stories. They were, they were complete strangers, and yet they're interconnected because each one of them is going to be radically changed by Jesus. Each one of them, they all came from three different cultures. They came from three different socioeconomic areas. They came from three different neighborhoods. And yet God is bigger than all of their differences. Each one of them had different needs. We're about to find out and see the different needs they have. But God met every single one of their needs. Each one of them is going to come into the story from different perspectives and different distances away from God. And yet Jesus can reach anybody. And that's what we're going to learn and look at today. So the first person is this, this rich woman, and her, actual, her name is Lydia. And we're going to look at her story that starts in verse 13. It says, on the Sabbath day, we went a little way outside to the city, uh, to river, to, outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women um, who had gathered there. And one of them was Lydia from Thyatira. So she was, she was a foreigner. She was actually from the Asia Minor area. And she had made her way here. It says she was a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. And as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. So there's this important 
life-changing truth that we, we're going to find here today. Because, see, she was searching for truth, but she couldn't find it. And then all of a sudden, Lydia could finally see. That's the first principle for today, that, that Lydia, she could finally see. She wasn't able to see before, but all of a sudden, God opened up her eyes. Now, Lydia, like it said, she was a rich lady, and she was a seller of purple. So that was... so. The best way I can describe it is she was like a Louis Vuitton store owner. That's kind of what she did, okay? So she, was, she had expensive clothes, clothing. She was not a Ross dress for less manager. Like, that's not, not what she was doing, okay? She wouldn't pay less or anything like that. I mean, it's Louis Vuitton only all day long, and that's what she sold. And now there's a whole other message for today, um, for another day about how God uses um, really strong women who are entrepreneurs and business professionals uh, for the glory of God. We'll talk about that another day. But this is, was, was her life. And, and in verse 14, it kind of describes what was going on um, in her life. And it says that she worshiped God. Now, it doesn't mean that she was a Christian, but she was seeking after God. She was worshiping God, but she had actually never heard the gospel. And the Bible says that the Lord like opened up her, her eyes for her to understand the truth. God had opened up her, her spiritual eyes to see Jesus. And we see this illustrated in the Bible in 2 Corinthians in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, For God, who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen, get this, in the face of Jesus Christ. This is a, a whole other part of Scripture, but it's exactly defining what happened to Lydia. All of a sudden, for the first time, she could see the truth that is found in Jesus. And there's a great truth for us today in this story of her, hers. And it's this, that, that you and Jesus need to meet up. Every single one of us needs to have a meet-up story with Jesus. You see, Lydia was, was worshiping God and trying to follow God um, until she finally actually met Jesus. And he was revealed to her. This is exactly what Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 1, because her life was consumed with trying to seek after God. She understood probably some of the Old Testament stuff, and the New Testament is being written during her lifetime. And so she was seeking after truth. Hebrews chapter 1 says this, that long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. That's literally describing the Old Testament, okay? And then it says this, and now in these final days, he has spoken to us, through his son, beginning to describe the New Testament here. And this is exactly what happened to Lydia. Lydia was a good person. She was trying to follow the law, and yet she was lost. She was lost. And then she met Jesus. And it changed her life. It goes on to describe how the very first church in Europe started in her basement. Okay? Like, her, her home was the very first church in all of Europe. And can I ask, ask you this morning? Let me ask this. Do you know him? Have you met Jesus? Every single one of us needs to meet up with Jesus. For Christians in this room, I, I get it, there's, there's a lot of Christians in this room. Have you ever thought about how your life has been completely and radically changed ever since you got to know Jesus? Think about what your life would be like if you didn't know him. That's, that's simple and profound, but, but the truth this morning is that we should never 
stop meeting up with Jesus and getting to know him. The problem is for some of us, I would probably say at times for a lot of us, that we're pretty distant from him. One of my very best friends in my, in my entire life grew up together. We were born six days apart and, and uh, same hospital, grew up, oh man, just my best friend. He's lived overseas for over 10 years, and he finally moved back a couple of, uh, about a month ago. And I was actually uh, with my, my daughter Hannah uh, a couple of days ago. We were running around uh, doing errands, and there's a moment I was like, you know what, I'm going I'm to call my, my buddy um, because I haven't talked to him a lot. I know he's back in the United States. And so I get out, uh, go to my phone, and I begin to go through my, my contacts, try to find his name, and I don't have his phone number. And I was like, man, how sad is that? My best friend, I don't. I don't even have his phone number. And I realize it's because I haven't talked to him very much at all in, in like 10 years. And my question is for you, is it the same way with, with you and Jesus? I mean, if you were going to text Jesus, metaphorically here, if you were going to text Jesus, would you have to scroll way down through all of your texts to try to find the last time um, that you, you, you sent Jesus a message? If he were to call you on your phone, would it say unknown caller because you don't even have him in your contact list? When's the last time... You went to the movies with Jesus. You went and got some coffee. You went, at, went to a movie. You, Jesus got your dogs and y'all went on a walk. I mean, that's, that's funny, but that, that's what friends do. That's what people do that have a relationship. They spend time together. And for all of us, we need to take a step back and look and see, are we actually connected with him? Or do we just talk about him? Have we met up with Jesus lately and got to know him? This is what happened to, to, to Lydia. All of a sudden, for the very first time, she got to meet Jesus. That's a great story, but we're not going to finish there uh, today. We're going to keep going on in this, in this passage in Acts chapter 16, and we're going to turn to the second part of our story, and it's actually the horror movie part of the story, okay? Because we're going to look at a, a demon-possessed slave girl, and it gets crazy in verse 16. It says this, one day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a, a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future, and she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, and so she says this to, to everybody, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. That, that sounds great. Like, man, she's literally like preaching the gospel. She's making fun of them. It says this. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. And her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So what did they do? They grabbed Paul and Silas and they dragged them before the authorities um, at, at the marketplace. And so here in the story, this this, this girl was demon-possessed. I mean, what I'm saying is that she was in, in bondage with no future hope. This was her life. She had no hope. But then in this story, the slave girl, her story is flipped. The script is flipped for, for this slave girl. You see, she was, in, she was in not just single bondage, she was in double bondage. She was possessed, and so she had a, a demon that was controlling every aspect of her life. But she was also, at the same time, a slave. Like, she was literally someone else's property. And with one word, the name Jesus, both of those chains were broken. I mean, think about her life. Like, 
her life is the definition of no hope, isn't it? I mean, her future had already been written. And the only two words that defined her future were, were torture and despair. And in the story, God, God flips the script and changes her life. Now, we don't get to see what happened to her later on, but I can assume that she began to follow Jesus. And I think there's two big reasons why we believe that she actually began to follow Jesus. One is this. If your life was like that, and something incredible happened, you would never be the same. I mean, think about it. We, we think we have like a, a rough life. You know, like, oh, man, I, I just can't fit all my cars in the garage. You know, it's just, it's rough. And it's just, man, it's, it's a tough life. And my commute was uh, 15 minutes today. I, I can't believe it. Like, we, we complain about a lot of first world problems. Can you imagine if you were demon possessed and you were a slave? Like, what your life was actually like? She had no hope. If your life was like that, and then you experienced the saving power and love of Jesus, you would never be the same. You wouldn't just say, hey, thanks, Jesus, right, and I'm out. Your life would be changed. And the second reason we believe that she actually became a believer is because her masters lost her completely. Did y'all get that in verse 19? Verse 19 says, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. Like they had, they had no future with her because she, na she now had a new owner, didn't she? You know, I mean, she had a new owner. And rescue came from Jesus into her life. And I believe there's another truth for us this morning. And as we read these scriptures, it's great to have head knowledge, but I think we got to try to apply it to our lives. And here's a great truth from her story, that, that you're due for a rescue story. Perhaps you are due for one of those. Some of us, we have walked into this place, and I don't know what's going on in your life, and we are experts at hiding it, but there are some of you who are without hope right now. There are some of you who maybe has nothing to do with you, and maybe it was your decision all along, but you are a slave in bondage to something. Some of us have dug ourselves into such a big hole that we feel like there, there is no hope. And Jesus rescued her. It was in double bondage, which is great news for us because what it's saying is, what Jesus is trying to teach us today is that I can rescue you too. I can rescue you. I can save you. Look what Colossians chapter 1 says. For he has rescued, talking about God the Father, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. No one wants to live in the kingdom of darkness. But a lot of us find ourselves in the kingdom of darkness in our lives. He says he's rescued us from that and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who did this, who purchased our freedom and he forgave our sins. My question today is, are you living in darkness? I think all of us have some kind of darkness going on in our lives. Do you daily chain up on purpose? It's the decisions you make to live in sin, to keep continue doing that thing. Are you doing that? Is, is that? is that a constant thing in your life? This slave girl's, girl story is great hope for you. Because what it's teaching us, what the scripture is teaching us is that every single one of us can be rescued. He can rescue anybody. What a great message that is for today. But that's not the final message for today. We got to find out the third person. 
And so I want us to look at this crazy jailbreak story and the jailer in this story, starting in verse 23. This one's a little bit longer, so I'm just going to read it um, to you guys. But here's what it says. So they, they were severely beaten. That's what happened next. And then they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the, into the inner dungeon, and he clamped their feet in the stocks. And around midnight, Paul and Silas, this is weird, they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. I mean, if I was in that situation, I probably would have not, uh, you know, done that. I probably would have felt sorry for myself, but they weren't. Verse 26 says that suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. God showed up in that prison, and all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. It was pandemonium. It was crazy. You ever seen a, a movie where, like, uh, a prison movie and all the, the doors fly open? Where do all the prisoners do? They're like, freedom, right? And they're just going crazy. That's what was happening in the story. And the jailer woke up, obviously woke up, to see the prison doors wide open. And he assumed that the prisoners had escaped, so he drew a sword to kill himself. He realized his life was over. He had failed, and his life was over. But Paul shouted to him, stop. Don't kill yourself. We're all here, which is kind of crazy. He didn't just say, hey, me and Silas are, are here. He said, we're all here. How did Paul and Silas get everybody back into their, their spots? I don't know how that happened. Maybe God did that. And the jailer called for lights, and he ran down to the dungeon, and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out, and he asked, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. So there's kind of, the story kind of shifts right here. Evidently, he took them to his house and said, guys, you got to hear what I just heard. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And he, he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. His life was changed. And you can see it in his actions. All of a sudden, he brings those prisoners into his house. He cleans them up and he feeds them. And the story kind of ends for today in verse 40. And says that when Paul and Silas, that they, when they left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia, like kind of went full circle, back to the, the first person in our story. And there they met with the believers and encouraged them once more, and then they left town. They actually got on that road we looked at, and they took off to the west. And all of a sudden, Christianity began to spread to us because of what happened in Acts chapter 16. Now, this story of the jailer is a little crazy. I think we need to understand the desperation that this guy was in. Have you ever lost your kid in a store? <laughs> You're like, <laughs> like, no, no takers. First service, one lady's like, yep, and me, right? I mean, we don't, maybe don't want to admit that we've lost our kid, but you know what that feeling is like, that you're like, don't panic. It's going to be okay. They're probably over in the cereal aisle. It's going to be all right. And so you begin to walk down the aisles, and you're, you're looking both ways, and you start, your panic starts to rise a little bit more, and all of a sudden you're doing the, the quick. You can see the parents that have lost their kids. They're walking like this, like just down the aisle trying to find their kid. And you get to a point where you're like, I can't do this anymore on my own. i got to find somebody. So you go find the manager. 
And you don't say to the manager, hey, you know, whenever you're you know, not busy, you know, whenever you get a break, could you try to help me find my... No, you don't say that. You're like, I don't care what you're doing right now. Stop and help me find my kid. Like, we're in desperation mode. Call 911, get on the intercom or give it to me. I'm going to handle this. Like, you're, you're crazy desperate, right? People do crazy things. We see all that on the internet all the time. People do crazy things when they're desperate. That's what was going on in this jailer's life. He's about to kill himself. And all of a sudden, his life was changed. This guy was, he was so desperate that he ran down to where they were and he, he literally begged a question. And then the jailer found his answer. What a great truth this morning. The jailer, he found his answer. I mean, he was just doing his job, you know. All of a sudden, God showed up and messed everything up, this earthquake, and his life is flipped upside down. He was ruined, and he was about to kill himself. Man. But he was shown mercy by these missionaries, by Paul and Silas. And he asked them, he said, what must I do to be saved? What do I have to do? Now, I don't know this guy's past, but this moment is in Scripture because it is the defining moment of his life. And honestly, it doesn't even matter what his past was about. We don't know if he's a foreigner. We don't know if he had family. We don't know, you know what family was with him nearby. We don't know um, if he had uh, been from Rome. We don't know like, what language he spoke. We don't know all these things, and it doesn't matter because Scripture says this is the defining moment of his life. And there's a truth for us this morning that you need a defining moment. And here's what I mean by that. You need a moment in your life where you can look back and say, I've never been the same since that moment where Jesus showed up in my life and saved me and changed me. This happens all throughout Scripture. In fact, in Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter is in front of this big crowd. And this big crowd is literally asking the exact same question that the jailer asked. How can I be saved? And here's what, what Peter says in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. He says, repent of your sins and turn to God. He says, you want to know how you were saved? It's not about stacking up good things. It's not about just believing good things. It is about repentance of your sins and turning to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Today is a call for every single one of us to repentance. Maybe you're a believer in this room, and there's some things that you need to deal with with the Lord. You need to repent of those things. you got to get serious and quit playing games. And there's probably some people in this room or watching online right now that you would say, I've never had a moment where I've literally repented of my sins. I, 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 I go to church and I, I know about Jesus. I know those things. But I've never had a moment where I got before God on my knees honestly and said, I need a Savior. I need to change my ways. And I love this passage, this verse, because there's, there's a double action here. It's not just about going one way and stopping, but it's actually turn around and going the other way. There's repentance and turning. Repenting, turning from the way that you were living and turning towards God. You can't have it both ways. You've got to repent of your sins if you want to be saved. That's what scripture says. That's a great message for today as well. 
And in Acts chapter 16, we see so many great stories that, that can help us in our lives. These three people, they were, they were radically changed and saved by Jesus. And do you know that they were the, the first three people in recorded history who were saved in Europe? Kind of cool, thinking about their lives. And there's these three giant truths that have shown up for us today. And I want to kind of just backtrack a little bit and, and show them up on the screen that in, for Lydia, the idea that you, you and Jesus, y'all need to meet up. Maybe you haven't been around Jesus in a, in a while. You're kind of looking at him from a distance, and y'all need to go and hang out again like the good old days. For some of us, we've never met up with Jesus. And maybe today is the day that you're meeting Jesus for the first time and hearing the truth from Scripture. And we see in this, this slave girl's life that maybe you're due for a rescue story. She was due for a rescue story, and God showed up in a big way in her life. And maybe you need to be rescued from the life that you're living and the bondage that you find yourself in. And maybe you need to find and have that defining moment in your life where you say, you know what, Jesus, he saved me, and I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. Now, we've, we've talked a lot about you, you know, in the story. It's, it's kind of been the theme is, is about us. Like, what are we doing? What's going on in our lives? And um, we love to, to kind of be the hero in our own stories, don't we? I mean, uh, Joe Rogan is one of the most famous podcasters. He said one time in his podcast, he was, he was trying to give people inspiration. He said, be the hero in your own movie. Don't live someone else's movie. Be the hero in your own movie. We love to be the heroes in, in our own movie. I mean, we watch a movie and we're like, hey, you know, uh, Top Gun, I want to be like Maverick, right? I don't want to be like the the whatever, you know, foreign guy that gets uh, killed, you know, in the, the dogfight. No, no, we want to be the hero in that, in that story. And I think sometimes we actually read scripture the same way. Think about it. Like, if you read the Old Testament and you, you hear about David killing Goliath, and you're like, what is my Goliath that I need to kill today? You know, all that kind of, that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, we always put ourselves in the hero position uh, of the story. But have you ever looked at the rest of David's life? Do you, do you see yourself more as David, this, this warrior king? Or do you see yourself as David who was an adulterer and a murderer? And yet God still loved him. Maybe you're, you, you look at Moses and you're like, man, I, I, Moses made lead millions of people and I just, I just want to be like him. Like have this relationship with God and all that kind of stuff. But do you see yourself like that? Or do you see yourself as Moses who was a stutterer? And he was timid and scared and a failure for most of his life. We can go on and on throughout Scripture. Let's go to the New Testament. I mean, do you see yourself as Peter the rock? And you're like, you know what? I'm a rock in my life. I'm going to be rocking my church and my business and my family and all that kind of stuff. And we kind of personify We put ourselves into Peter's story. Do you see yourself as Peter the rock? Or do you see yourself as Peter who was a sinner, who was a failure, and who ran when Jesus needed him most? Right? For you ladies in this room, do you see yourself as, as Mary, the, the one who was the very first person to see Jesus' um, empty tomb? She, and she ran away uh, telling everybody. She was the very first evangelist in history. It's an incredible story. And a lot of us are like, I want to be like that. Or do you see yourself as, as the, the Mary who was ruined and yet then forgiven? She was ruined and then Jesus restored her life. You see, in one scenario, you are the hero. In the other story, someone else is the hero. You know, Jesus 
says that you have to die to yourself. You must take up your cross and follow me. And I don't know if you ever thought about taking up your cross. But if you're taking up your cross, you are not the hero. <laughs> you're over. You being the hero is done. You see, here's the trick to all of this. This, this whole series about ordinary heroes. These people aren't the heroes. And you're not the hero. The real hero is Jesus, isn't he? In this story, in your life, the real hero is Jesus. And the true definition of, of a Christian hero is someone who gives God the glory even if they gain something. Even if the world claps at him, they say, no, 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 no. It's for God's glory. He's the true hero. In Acts 4.12, there's a, there's a sermon going on, and they say this. They say, there's salvation in no one else. There's no other way that you can be saved. That's it. You can't be the hero in your story and save yourself. Only Jesus can be. And if salvation is, is through him alone, then, then you need to meet him. You know? You need to meet him. If salvation is through him alone, then, then he is the only one who can rescue you and save you. If salvation is through him alone, then he is the hero. And he's just waiting for you to accept him. Is he your hero? Here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. Let's do something a little different. I want to ask you guys to stand, stand for just a second. And I want to pray for you. You can throw your, your Bibles, your stuff, whatever, on, on the seat next to you. And here's what I'd like for us to do. I want to pray for you. And as soon as we finish praying, we're going to sing a worship song. And it's going to be an opportunity for every single one of us to, to physically live out what God is speaking into our hearts. And I want to invite you to come down here to the front and pray. And I don't want you to pray by yourself. I'm going to be the first one down here because in my own life, I need to get real with God. I get up here and preach and half the time I'm like, why am I even doing this? Because my life is totally messed up, okay? I need someone to preach to me. And I need to come down and I need to repent of some things. And I need to meet up with God again and fresh and new. Maybe that's where you're at right now. You've been living in bondage. And you need to ask Jesus to be your rescuer. You need to repent of what's going on in your life. Maybe for the very first time, you need to come down to the front and you need to just ask Jesus to be your Lord. Say, I want to meet you for the first time. Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins. And he's the only hero that can save you. Before we leave this place, I want us to have an opportunity to, to do anything that God is calling us to do. So as soon as I finish praying, we're going to sing. It'll be an opportunity for you to respond. Let's pray. Lord, I know there's a lot of people in this room who are playing games with you as if you don't know it. And I pray that today they would be real with you. They would confess their sins. And maybe the biggest sin is that they've kept you at arm's length.
and they need to meet with you again. I pray that today that might happen. Lord, if there's anyone, and I believe there are, those in this room or those listening on, online who are, who are far from you, who don't really know you, have never repented and trusted in you to be their hero. I pray that today they would stop playing games and they would do it because they cannot save themselves. Help them to see that. Help them to see that you are right there with this most amazing gift in all of human history, salvation through Jesus and Jesus alone. God, whatever you're calling us to do, I pray that you would convict us and help us to respond right now. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are super glad that you decided to join us today. And if you watch us every week, we're so glad that you join us. And if you're watching right now for the very first time, um, we want to just say, welcome to the family. We're so glad that you're here. Um, if you're someone who during the message, you thought, you know what? I want to know more about Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus. And I, I want to know what it means to be forgiven. Uh, we want to connect with you. So if you could text forgiven to 94,000, and that way, one of our ministers can reach out to you and you can begin that conversation of knowing how God can change your life. Um, here at Central, we truly do believe that Jesus changes everything. See you guys later.